Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirit of Dragon in the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it, Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that doctor, homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, July 8th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris. Man, I got a lot of stuff to talk to you about tonight. Um, big things going on. Um, actually hit um, my two-year sobriety anniversary today, so definitely going to talk a little bit about that later on. I got a race coming up over the weekend, as well as the CZW shows coming up over the weekend as well. Um, man, I got a bunch of different topics to talk about. Any minute, though, I will have my guest on, and that's John Wayne Murdoch. So I'm uh, very interested in talking to that guy, coming fresh off of just an amazing performance on King of the Deathmatch 2015. Um, that's one of the best deathmatch tournaments you'll ever see, and uh, he was definitely a standout on that, um, amongst many other guys who just did their fucking thing. So, um... Like I said, any minute I'll be calling in, and I got a lot to talk to him about. Um, what else we got? Um, well, 
Like I said, I don't want to get too deep into anything because uh, it'll be on any minute. CZW is doing the show on uh, Saturday. It's like a doubleheader type deal with WSU. They're back over in the arena for the show. This is, um, I don't know, what the fuck is it? Not high stakes. Uh, shit. It's uh, New Heights. That's, that's the one. Is it New Heights? Yeah, New Heights. So, uh, they're doing that thing, doubleheader deal with the WSU. I'm going to watch it at home. I got a race earlier that day, Rugged Maniac. So I'm going to do that thing and then, uh, you know, just watch it from home. With the, uh, you know, coming off the King of the Deathmatch thing, you, you know, I don't know. I'm all uh, attendanced out for now just because uh, it was a big trip and I got my fill of uh you know, live entertainment for a minute, and uh, it's a lot more comfortable to sit at home, especially, you know, going two hours to not be front row. It's not really worth it to me, especially, you know, get my shit together after a race and then have to go two hours and then sit somewhere in general admission in Philly. It's it's really not appealing to me, so best seat in the house for me is uh, my house with the fucking you know, the big TV going and uh, just, just kind of lounging, watching the eye pay-per-view. So that's what I plan on doing. Uh, a couple matches, I guess I'll go over the card a little bit. Um, you got the rematch of G's versus Tremont for the belt. Um, you know, Tremont got a raw deal, as they say last time. Um, you know, Pepper Parks interfered and Cherry Bomb and everything. And he gets his rematch against G's, and uh, it should be good. I mean, the first one was great, and uh, I'm looking forward to a rematch of this. Tremont is absolutely on fire, coming off a winning King of the Death, coming off a winning Tournament of Death. I mean, the guy is he's just fucking absolutely crushing it. So um, if anybody's on the roll to uh, do this kind of thing and keep his his momentum going, it, that would be Matt Tremont. So, you know, we'll we'll see what goes on in Philly on Saturday. Um, what else do they got going on? Oh, also the rematch of Gage versus Gulak. Gulak won with a roll-up last time. And, uh, you know, Gage wants a rematch. She said it's going to be ultra-violent. They don't have any stiffs labeled or anything like that. But, um, you know, Gage is going to do his thing. So, uh, it's, it's bound to be pretty brutal. Uh, first match was good. Definitely could have been a lot better. And, uh, I mean, both of these guys can absolutely deliver. So, I'm looking forward to seeing that match. Uh, it's another one. What else we got going on? We got uh, Joe Gacy versus Tim Dunn. a match that was supposed to happen a while back. They were teasing it. Um, you know, coming right out of Cage of Death, Tim Dunn came in, and he was making challenges. Uh, he was coming in as a heel, actually. And, uh, you know, he was saying he's, he was doing, like, the savior CZW-type gimmick and uh, saying he was going to come and take over. He challenged Joe Gacy. He was going to be the, uh, you know, next challenger up, more or less, for the um, the Wired title. They kind of, you know, uh, drew it out a little bit. And in the meantime, uh, the whole situation happened where Don had cancer. Um, he went through, you know, a battle with that did all the surgery and everything else. And, um, you know, he's, he beat that shit. So, um, you know, good on him. In the meantime, you know, he became, you know, uh, more on the friendly side of things with uh, Gacy. 
you know, his storyline. But, uh, you know, everything's all good with him, and he's ready to return to the ring. So now they're going to meet that obligation of uh, actually getting the match that they initially uh, put on the table. So, um, you know, that that should be an interesting match, too. Um, I had heard for years, I haven't seen a ton of Donst uh, work, but I had heard for years that he's, like, the perfect fit for CZW, and CZW would be, uh, you know, well-served having him on. So, um, yeah, I'm looking to, looking forward to see what he does. I mean, this this card is pretty stacked. Got A.R. Fox versus Mike Bailey. Um, the one... A little bit unsure I am about this is, hey, man, you know, Mike Bailey's a face and everything like this. Yeah, I I get it, but A.R. Fox is coming in as a heel. I don't know who's not happy to see A.R. Fox back. So it's it's a little tough to play a guy as a heel and to really sell him as a heel when the fans have to be happy to see this guy back. I mean, he was, um, you know, one of the top flyers, if not the top high flyer in CZW for a long time. Huge fan favorite. I mean, he does tons of shit that pops the fans in that ring. And him versus Mike Bailey is going to absolutely tear it up in Philly. So it'll be um, pretty interesting to see how he actually comes off, whether the the heel really comes through with him because, uh, man, he's, uh, you know, a super over guy. He's a guy who really, really knows how to pop the fans, so um should be interesting. Uh, David Starr versus Shane Strickland. Uh, this will be Shane Strickland's first match back to CZW for a while. Um, he's been out doing the Lucha Underground things, uh, kill shot, and, um, you know, uh, he, him and David Starr are going to go in there. They had a... He's JT Dunn being part of this, but uh, he's not actually officially part of the match. So we'll see. I'm not really sure if he's going to wind up with some kind of interference or anything like that. But, um, you know, I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. Another huge, huge fucking match is Rich Swan returning to take on Joey Janela, who's been on an absolute tear on the indies. And um, he's one of those guys, you know, huge rising star. The guy's got, you know, tons and tons of talent and charisma. Um, I've said it before, but I think he's probably the closest thing on the Indies right now that reminds me of a Trent Acid. Um, you know, he, he's got that type of, um, you know, huge personality. Obviously, you know, Trent was his own guy that, um, you're never going to get another Trent Acid, but I'm, um, just as far as some of the things that Joey puts out there, um, some similarities there. So, you know, seeing him really catch fire in CZW and start to get these big matches, especially against a guy like Rich Swan, who really has it all. And, um, you know, he, he's been killing it all over the world. And to be able to pop in here and there to CZW, where he really spent a lot of early time, um, you know, and, and get some dream matches out of him, that's, that's big shit. I'm uh, very much looking forward to that match. It's crazy because you get these, you know, somewhat uh, quote-unquote undercard matches like that, and that shit could go ahead and steal the show. Um, you got Devin Moore and Lucky 13 versus Jonathan Gresham and Bucks Belmar. Strange combo, but um, could obviously work. Tons of talent in that match. You know, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, 
you also have the huge four-way tag team championship match of OI4K, the Young Bucks, the Beaver Boys, and Team Tremendous. Um, I mean, that that's going to be huge. Anytime you have the Young Bucks, you know, it's going to draw a lot of attention. And, um, you know, what a four-way. So um, let me see what else I got. Um, yeah, I mean, they have that all uh, – the, the front and the uh, Greg Excellent, Sozio, Christy Rivera deal. They got that too. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know what you want me to say about that. All right, so um, let me uh, – Check it. See, I, you know, I'm gonna play a track. See if I can get uh, my guest on the line, and I'll uh, and I'll uh, come back in a minute. All right. Let me see what I could do here. Uh, I got a couple tracks lined up, so I could play one of them. This is a little angel. <laughs> Jamie Dundee and uh, guys like that, you know, I grew up on that. So uh, 
that was actually one of my goals is to was to wrestle at the Nashville Fairgrounds, and I got to fulfill that, you know, uh, many times. So uh, it's been good. And actually, uh, one of the last times I got to wrestle at the Fairgrounds, uh, it was for Crossfire Wrestling, and uh, it was a show they had Bret Hart on. And Bret Hart was like critiquing the matches and stuff like that. So uh, I got to wrestle there, and plus get to wrestle in front of Bret Hart. So it was, it was a cool experience. So um, when you went to go get trained, you know, what did you did you have any knowledge of you know what it was going to be all about, other than you know seeing it on uh, TV or seeing live like shows? Seeing it on TV, yeah, seeing it on TV, and uh, and I think like the first season of Tough Enough came out or something like that. So. It was really getting to watch some of the behind the scenes of like what it takes and stuff like that. So you know, I knew a little bit going in, and um, you know, I just went in, and you know, my first like couple months was like blind leading the blind. They threw me to the wolves. I was young, naive, so you know, I knew right off the bat that I wasn't good. I knew that I had to get like more training and, and learn. So uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always wanting to learn, even at an early age. You know, I just didn't get trained and think I was the best ever and, you know, continue to be shitty. You know, I actually worked at being who I am now, you know, by continuously learning and, and you know, listening to podcasts or watching shoot DVDs, just learning from people that have been in the business, you know, car rides, picking the minds of Tracy Smothers or, or Bullpain or anything like that, you know, anything I could to pick up knowledge I did. Sure. And you said um, you had a high threshold for pain. Um, how did you figure that out at a young age before you got into wrestling? Uh, just being able to, like, fall down like any normal kid does, you know, accidents happen, and just being able to get back up and, you know, being okay. So, like, okay, I can handle this, you know. And, uh, right. You know, you know, hell, being 14 and wrestling, I'm wrestling with grown man. They're just beating sure. the hell out of me. So, I, you know, I realized then, like, I can do this. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. they can do to me that I can't take. And, you know, that's how I go into any match is, you know, they can't dish out something I can't take. And, you know, that's sure. how I go into it. Where did you train when you first started training? I trained in this little town uh, called Columbia, Tennessee. And uh, I really didn't learn much there. It was for NWA main event. And, you know, they just pretty much threw me out there and, you know, watched me just go through the motions. So I did that and uh, realized I wasn't getting anywhere. So uh, I left there and went to another little shithole in Tennessee, uh, Gallatin, Tennessee, and uh, found a trainer there and would go on Wednesday nights train and then work their shows on Saturdays. But the problem there was is, he thought just because he trained you, you were supposed to dedicate your career there. So, you know, after about two years, I found out quickly that I learned everything I was going to learn. It was time to get out and, you know, travel. And uh, a guy named Tony Falk wanted to take me to Nashville and use me for his company. So I pretty much, you know, told the guy, hey, thanks for training me. This is, you know, we'll always be home where I was trained, but, you know, i got to get out and, and get my name out. And he pretty much didn't like that. So, you know, it's the last dealings I've had with him. But, you know, I'm glad I got out into Nashville and met Tony Falk because he really taught me, like, the the scummy side of the business of, you know, being a carny and, and watching out people that are trying to take advantage of you. And, you know, watching him take advantage of people, you know. So I really mm-hmm. learned the other side of the business from Tony. So I've got to always – 
you know, tip my hat to him for teaching me that. Um, now, you first started out under Damian Payne. How did you come up with that name? Uh, it was uh, due to a guy named Richard Lowe, uh, wrestled a lot in the Kentucky area. And uh, I've always been a pale kid, you know. And he's like, okay, well, let's, let's do this demonic little demon character. And he's like, Damian Payne. And I stuck with it for at least a good 10 years, and it just was never going anywhere. And and I'd always heard comparisons of me and Dick Murdoch. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, you know, one day I was like, I'm never going to do anything with this Damian Payne thing. You know, I'm never going to make it anywhere. I'm never going to make a name for it because there's nothing to it. There's no substance. So, you know, one day I was like, you know what, let's just change. And I, did a, I, I quit for about six months and come back as John Wayne Murdoch, and I think it's the best decision I've ever made. Sure. <clears throat> so you and Reed Bentley are the the tryout show uh, rejects. Yep. What what was the story behind the actual tryout show? I believe you went in, you guys wrestled the hooligans. Um, well, it was, it, we did separate tryout shows. His was a little bit later than – yeah, his was a little bit later than mine. Um, I think mine was in 08. Uh, not sure. It just got released on a way back Wednesday on the IW, uh YouTube channel, so you can go check it out there. Whoever's listening can check it out. Uh, but yeah, me and this guy named New York Gangster came in, and you know we really thought we were the shit. We really thought we were the best tag team in the world. You know, when we never went outside of uh, Nashville or Tennessee. So we go, and uh, we my first match in IWA was against the hooligans, which was a shitty stick to, uh, straw to draw because the hooligans, you know, whether me and Reed want to be on their level or not, are the best tag team in the world right now. You know, so we go in there, fucking hooligans first time, me and New York gangsters first time in IWA, and they pretty much just ate us alive. Uh, you know, I stood on the apron. Uh, my partner was in there for the majority of the time and done most of the work, which was a mistake, I think. Uh, you know, so, you know, they got put through and, you know, their, their history career, you know, historic career has been, you know, built off of that and what they did that moment. Uh, you know, they absolutely stole the show with, you know, what they did. So, you know, Ian rejected me, you know, in 2008 and then the same instance goes for Reed Bentley got rejected. And, you know, we come back to Ida Bay a few years later and just, you know, now where we are in our careers are just totally different. So it's just a little play on words. You know, he rejected us then, but, you know, he loves mm-hmm. us now. And we're pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say we're carrying the company on our on our shoulders, but, you know, we're definitely a mainstay. We definitely are some, some two to watch in IWA, so. Sure. Um so your next match, I think, with IWA was a couple of years later in the King of the Deathmatch tournament. How do you go from reject to King of the Deathmatch tournament? Well, uh, so I got rejected. Uh, I'm sitting at home one night, and uh, a guy named uh, Christian Haim calls, and I've mm-hmm. thanked him every day since. Uh, he calls me and goes, hey, uh, I know you did a tryout, but Ian's looking for somebody to fill a spot in the 2011 King of Death. And I was like, awesome. Uh, I would definitely love to do it. And when I agreed to this, I wasn't sure what a death match was. I'm like, okay, some <laughs> hardcore, some trash cans, some chairs. Okay, I got this. 
Well, after I accept, I look into what deathmatch wrestling is all about. I'm watching guys like Masada, Drake Younger, Devin Moore, J.C. Bailey, all these guys, uh, Wife Beater, Necro Butcher, Nick Gage. I'm like, what the fuck did I sign myself into? Uh, So I show up, wrestle a guy named Simon Says, and literally when I'm walking to the ring, this is my first time seeing light tubes in a wrestling match where I'm using them. I've seen them on YouTube and all that. But now I'm going in the ring and doing this for the first time, and I think it was the fear and the and the nerves that really put on the performance that I had. Because I think if I would have been expecting it and prepared, I don't think I would have went out there and done as good as I did. And when I went out there, it was nerves. You know, nerves got me through that. And, you know, some people say I stole the show on night one. I got the please come back chant. You know, I walked through the curtain uh, to go backstage. And, you know, I'm getting a standing ovation from... B.J. Whitmer, you know, Devin Moore, Masada, uh, Matt Tremont, Drake Younger, Ian, and they all loved it. So, you know, the rest is history. But uh, yeah. like I said, that was my first taste. So, um, you know, one of the main things that I think um, definitely got you out there as far as, you know, people seeing what you were doing on YouTube and everything was you doing the Canadian Destroyer, as you call it, the Deep South Destroyer off of various things through various things. And um, when did you start doing that move and figure out that you could do uh, it so accurately? Uh, I started doing it with a guy named Matt Corbain. It was back when I was still training and stuff. And he was like, man, I think you could do it. So, okay, cool. So I started doing it. It was just regular, just on the mat, just doing it. And it was still getting that good of a reaction. Well, I quickly mm-hmm. realized with stuff like that, if they see it every week, it sort of loses its meaning. So, sure. you know, I was doing it and it wasn't getting the pop that it was. You know, and and other and I stopped doing it for a while because that's what's what people expected. I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna take it away from them, you know, and let them want it again. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, you know, me and Josh Crow are doing our thing and having some really good singles matches. And he's like, hey, let's do it off the top rope. You stand on the top, I'll stand on the middle, let's do it. I'm like, okay. So I realized that I could do it from there, and that really never gets old. No, Nobody ever doesn't pop for it. It's still you know, very fresh. I still hit it off the top rope, and people will still say, holy shit. So, okay, I'm on right. the top. So I start doing it there, and then, you know, it's just me wanting to top myself. I'm like, well, instead of doing the top rope, let's me and you, Josh, let's do it off this scaffold at IWA Deep South. We do it off this little table gimmick that's all over there, and we do it there. I'm like, okay, well, let's do it uh, off this bar at the Rustic Frog Friday Night Mid-South. We do it off there, you know, and then, like I said, recently, we did, me and Devin Moore did it off the scaffold, and where I really learned to, like, judge myself is, you know, when you're, you really have no choice. When you're up there, and you've got your life and somebody else's life in your own hand, you really have to be sure where you're going to land. And I have a lot of people, a lot of them, you know, so-called smart marks or just fans or or, or the old-school veterans in wrestling are going to shit on me for doing it. And, they, you know, they always use, well, what if you broke somebody's neck or what if you missed? I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to do it if I think I'm going to miss. 
uh, right. you know, King of Death, the table, one of the table broke, uh, one of the mm-hmm. tables broke, and I only had one to aim for it. And we go up there, and there was a second, there was a split second where you know it was gonna not happen, and you know I was right. just gonna climb down or just throw him off. And I trusted myself, and I knew I was gonna hit it. Uh, so I'm very precise with it. You know, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna hit it. Uh, Josh Crow has a lot to do with that. Uh, Josh has taught me very well where to hit it, where to stand, how far to jump out, how far to jump up. It's very calculated to, you know, do it. Everybody just thinks it's just flipping and kissing your ass goodbye. And some of it is, but it's very calculated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So in 2014, uh, you actually got to the second round of the King of the Death, and wrestled against Matt Tremont and um, Ron Mathis. Um, what did you think about that match? Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was – some people said it was the main event of the tournament. Uh, it was a very strong match. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people expected me to be in the finals, but I'm, uh, I think a lot of people were happy with Tremont going and winning. Uh, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it, uh, you know, because, you know, to me it's like a, it's like a staircase – 2011, I didn't make it out of the first round. 2014, I made it in the second round. You know, yeah. this, this year, I made it all the way to the finals. Uh, so it's, you know, it's it's a staircase, and gradually I've got there. And, you know, hopefully the next year I make it back to the finals. And not only do I make it to the finals, I hope next year I walk away with the with the crown. So Absolutely. There's a lot of um, drama coming off of that um that tournament with Ron Mathis was any of that, you know, bled into the match, or was that just completely outside of the ring? Didn't affect you at all. Uh, that was that was really outside the ring, uh, you know. And, and both parties have talked about it. I know Ron has, you know, said a lot of things, and, and Ian said a lot of things. And you know, it's not really my place to put my two mm-hmm. cents in it. Cause, I mean, it's out there. You know, I wasn't around when. You know the payoffs were given. I wasn't around in that transaction, and and and, of course, and obviously I don't know what Ron Mathis asked for, and I don't know what Ron Mathis got. So it's really it it's really bad for me to put my two cents on it. Uh, do sure. I like Ron Mathis? Yeah. Do I you know do I agree with him getting on the internet and saying hey go buy go on a torrent site and get King of Death for free? No, and I think he knows that, and I think he regrets saying that part. Because really, mm-hmm. he's telling people to go buy his stuff for free. Because he was on that right. DVD, and he gave a really good performance. So I think he yeah. regrets that part of it. Uh, but you know what? Ron Mathis, for whatever it is, you know, he stands by what he believes. So then I respect him for that. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I have no heat with Ron. And, you know, I'm looking forward to wrestling Ron any day of the week. Uh, and actually, like, at Carnage Cup, I think it was 2000, uh, Carnage Cup 8, I had a match with Ron Mathis in the second in the second round, and it was really good. So like I said, mm-hmm. I, I love Ron Mathis to death, and no, it didn't affect the match. And I think actually all that drama happened after the show. So we all right. went into the match, you know, clear-minded. But actually there's a story about that match that I'd like to tell. Sure. Matt Tremont was bleeding out pretty much from an injury to his hand. Uh, so going into that match, we all did not know how Matt Tremont was going to do, uh, you mm-hmm. know, because there was one point he's, like, white, like, ghost white, because he's just bleeding so bad from a, uh, I think it was, like, a puncture wound in his hand or his wrist. 
And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, me and Ron really, you know, went in that match as a singles match. Uh, you know, we focused on each other, which, you know, obviously led to Matt Tremont pulling it out over me. But like I said, that was just a funny – not funny, but that's a little tidbit of that match that not a lot of people know is, you know, Matt Tremont was literally almost bleeding out. Right. So, you know, you've come a long way in uh, IWA Mid-South, and, um, you know, as, as we touched as far as Ron Mathis having a problem with, a lot of people have had a problem with Ian over time. Um, you become one of the home-fed guys of IWA Mid-South. What's your thoughts on Ian and, you know, how, you know, your relationship has obviously been great over the years. You know, what's your thoughts on Ian as a promoter? Here's my thoughts, and me and Reed Bentley both share this, because to me, me and Reed carry the cross. This is our cross to bear. Any promotion we go to, we're always greeted with, hey, the IWA guys, hey, you guys are Mid-South. Guys, and, you know, sometimes that's a good thing to be an Ian Rotten guy, and like you said, sometimes that's a bad thing. You just have to mm-hmm. take it as it comes. As far as uh, – I've lost friends. Like, uh, one of the good friends of mine, Wolfie D, hates that work for Ian. Uh, and this is how I tell him, look, you know, I know I'm not taking up for what Ian Rotten's done. We all know that he's done bad shit in the past. He's done sketchy shit. He's – screwed people over, but Ian knows that. Ian's admitted that. You know, has right. he screwed me over? No. Has he said, hey, I'll catch you next time? Yes, but he's always caught me the next time. He's never left me hanging. He's tried his best to take care of me when it's there. Uh, I can say this, you know, because I've been real close to Ian. You know, I've been on that, you know, like father level with me. He's like my father. So, like, I know when he says I'm leaving with no money, I literally have nothing. I didn't make nothing off this show. He's telling the truth. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know guys think of this, you know, they have this image in their head of Ian running to the bank with money bags. It's not true. You know, Ian's not running these shows to make money. You know, King of Death was not a huge success like we wanted to. It was probably the best tournament, you know, he's put on as far as King of Death. It took the spot of the 03 tournament. But he wasn't running to the bank with tons of money. He paid in to all the boys. He gave every bit he had to make sure all the guys that bust their ass had something. So, you know, right. has Ian turned to leave? I think so. Is Ian still going to make mistakes? Sure. You know, he's never going to live down what's happened in the past. He's never going to totally clear his name, and he knows that. You know, so he's just trying his best to run shows and keep, you know, to be alive and do I respect it yes you know so like I said I tell people he's never fucked me he's never screwed me over he's never screwed Reed Bentley over you know so you know until until the day he does that I have nothing bad to say about Ian you know if it wasn't for Ian and it's another thing I try to get over get across to people when I do podcasts if it wasn't for Ian Rotten me and you would not be talking right now I can I can say that with 100% accuracy that if it wasn't for Ian, if it wasn't for Smart Mark Distribution, if it wasn't for the people he's put me in the ring with, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you. So yeah. I owe him everything. You know, yes, I've gotten the ring and I've knocked everything he's gave me out of the park, but he put me there. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have nothing bad to say about him. Yeah, I've, I've been an Ian Rotten guy for a while, and, um, you know, the, the, my thing was, 
kind of what you were saying is he's never done me wrong. A lot of people like to piggyback on things that he did to someone else and make it their own issue. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Like, like Wolfie D, you know, I mean, he screwed so many people over and Ian, you know, extended a lot of favors to Wolfie as far as using him, paying him well and doing, I'm like, man, you know, I understand taking up for the boys, but on the other hand, you know, if a man is offering me, if, if, if a man is saying, hey, I want to book you against Davey Richards, and I'm going to pay you, oh, I'm there. You know, I'd be stupid mm-hmm. to turn down a match with Davey Richards or say, no, you know, I don't want to be in King of Death. And if I wasn't in King, if I, wasn't in King I wouldn't have had the match with Nick Gage. You know, right. so he's done good stuff. You know, he books, he books for the fans. You know, he's not, like I say, he's not making money, you know, like he would like. He's not... He's not living the high life. He's not living in mansions while other people are living in fucking refrigerator boxes. You know, he mm-hmm. does this purely for people's enjoyment. You know, he's in poor health. You know, he's he's not doing this for him. That's why I'm right. trying to. That's why I try to you know tell people he's not doing this for his enjoyment. He's literally keeping the doors open for IDB Mid South for the boys, for the fans. You know, so like I said. uh, I love him to death, and I'll always be an Ian Rotten guy, you know, until, like I said, until he screws me over. But, like I said, I do not see that happening because I've never put myself in a position where he can screw me over. And, like I said, I don't think he would now because I think he's in a better place than his wife where he's just not about that anymore. Right. Um, now, you work for um, IWA Deep South a bunch. Um, this <laughs> – <laughs> I know. I'm not asking anyone to share my opinion. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, I've got my own opinion, man. Oh, yeah, man. Um, this past tournament, you they worked an angle of some sort where you were disqualified in the death match tournament. I don't, I don't know another way to put that, but you were disqualified yeah. in the death match tournament. What was your thoughts on that angle? And, so, Who's so, I can speak free, so I can speak freely on here. There's no, like, you know, breaking kayfabe on here. I can speak openly, right, on this? Absolutely. Okay, I'll tell I'll tell the truth on this. The fact come down to I have to protect myself. You know, nobody's going to protect me. Nobody's going to protect my name. I'm my own product. I am in charge of whether I get I get sold correctly, whether I get advertised correctly to, you know, my liking. So, you know, I go into Carnage Cup. We're doing the negotiation. First off, he didn't even have me in the tournament to begin with, which I thought one was sort of shitty because of the injury that I suffered the year prior. You know, I thought it would be a good thing if he put me in it, my comeback from the arm injury and all that. He didn't Mm -hmm. have me in it. Well, due to something, I think somebody canceled he hits me up. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, even though it shits on me that I'm a last-minute replacement anyway, I'll do it. So I do it, and he tells me the deal of, you know, second round, you know, I want you to, you know, go out to Josh Crane. I'm like, ugh, first off, not nothing against Josh Crane, but I believe that there's there's bigger plans for me in the deathmatch community. I think there's more plans for me at at, at IWA Mid-South, and I'm one of IWA Mid-South's top guys. How does it look for me to go to IWA Deep South and do this? 
it just wasn't, you know, good for me at that point. So, you know, I was like, what can we do? And that was one of the options that came up with. So I was like, okay, whatever. It saves me, you know, and, you know, I can be the one guy that got kicked out of a deathmatch tournament for being too violent. So it's like, let's roll with it, which I don't think fans liked it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how it was. You can probably tell me better how it went over as far as everybody else concerned. But for me, yeah. it's the best option to protect myself. Because not a lot of guys do that. Not a lot of guys want to protect themselves. And that's very key when you're working for a promotion that has DVD distribution like IDB Mid-South. Because if I'm mm. on top of IDB Mid-South and then I go to Deep South and I get shit on, well, they're both, their DVDs are both being sold on SmartMark. So that's uh, instant clash of uh, it's a conflict. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to protect myself. And many people might say I'm a dick for it. But you know what? Like I said, nobody's going to protect me like I can. And at the end of the day, it's my name on the line. It's my bookings. It's, you know, this is all I do. I don't have a job, a full-time job. This is all I do to make money. So I have to protect myself. Right. Yeah, I mean, I understand protecting your name and everything else. I, I mean, I just don't like the way that IWA Deep South conducts wrestling overall. I, I just think they put a bad well, name that on was, That was another thing. Like, a lot of people shit on John Rare as far as his abilities or him being a deathmatch wrestler. I like John Rare personally as a person. I, I don't agree with the fact that just because you stab somebody with a box cutter means you're over. Or means you're some legend, uh, right. and I didn't. I don't think he. I mean, I don't know. I, some people say he shouldn't have won Carnage Cup. To me, that's his home company. That's his home. You know, put him over. That's great because that's where he started. Right. That's where you know he. That's where that's his home. You know, that's like he. You know, it's like me saying, you know, I shouldn't win King of Death. Well, I didn't mean South is home. You know, so I'm not going to take mm-hmm. anything away from John Rare, but, you know, it just look it gives sort of a bad – I think IWB Deep South and Kevin gives a gives Deathmatch Wrestling a bad name, you know, for yeah. being unsafe, for being, you know, the black sheep. And, you know, I was discussing with Ian the other day, you know, this whole press release he put out about we're going bigger, badder, more dangerous. If somebody fucking dies – because he's trading out professionals and and putting in their spots guys who just got to kill themselves. If somebody dies, that's going to fucking reflect on every company that does deathmatch wrestling. Yep. It definitely and that's is. good. Yep. Yeah, I, that, that's my big thing is, I mean, you're going to have guys that push the limits and this and that, but when the promoter encourages a guy stabbing another guy with a box cutter and considers that a big spot, um, I've known people who were there and saw him jumping up and down saying, let's see CZW top this. Like, he, he clearly doesn't get it. And, uh, you know, like you said, if something big happens, it's going to be the end of everything for everybody, not just yeah. yourself. Yeah, definitely. It's, 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 I mean, he already got, you know, he already got kicked out of Alabama pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for being too violent and just unsafe with stuff, you know, you know, I got, I've done crazy shit for IW Mid-South. I've come off bars. I've, 
come off scaffolding. I've done barbed wire. I've done tubes. I've never been hurt. I mean, I've been cut up, bruised up, and not able to walk, but I've never been in the hospital. I did carnage cup and almost had my arm cut off, you know, and it was due to just, you know, him throwing anything he cared. Them fucking super long tubes are just ridiculous. He could have made smaller X's and we'd have been safe. But he, he mm-hmm. I literally think he gets off on stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people said he, he's a known bigot. He is racist as any racist person can get. So, right. you know, I just, I regret, I regret ever getting involved with him, but has he helped, like, me and Josh Crow's match at Carnage Cup, like, really put me out there as far as, okay, this kid's fucking crazy, you know, mm-hmm. I thought, I, I liked the fact that it gave me a little push in my career, but I, now I, I see that, you know, I don't want to be associated with that, you know, so. Right. Oh, it's good to hear. I, I think, you know, a lot of talented wrestlers that do associate with him kind of gives the guy a little bit of credibility where he probably doesn't deserve it. Um, yeah. You know, I get the payday, uh, get, but... Yeah, oh, definitely it's that, but, like, literally, like, guys like Matt Tremont, me, uh, Ron Mathis, and all that, and, and Corporal Robinson... He's pretty much shitting on all of us when he put that out there. We want guys that are gonna that just won't do barbed wire tubes and tacks and will do this, this, and kill themselves. He's pretty much slapping all of us in the face. We're not worthy right. of being at Carnage Cup when we all just fucking killed it, King of Death. You know, right. and literally when I was leaving last Carnage Cup, he looks at me and goes, "Hey, tell Ian to top that." Well, I think we fucking topped that. Yeah. You know, I think yep. King of Death right now is, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, and this is not shitting on CZW, this is not shitting on Carnage Cup, it's not shitting on Masters of Pain, but at this point, I think King of Death at the top of the list is the best tournament so far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I they definitely killed that. it this year. Um, and, you know, my other thing, too, with... Um, with the whole press release that he put out there is, you know, even as a fan, I have some somewhat of pride and, you know, I, I like to be able to stick up for deathmatch wrestling, you know, when people talk bad about it and stuff. And, you know, when you take something like light tubes and barbed wire and thumbtacks and stuff, and then you put it out there as not dangerous enough as if those things aren't even dangerous to be wrestling in, what does that make it look like for every other guy who's out there and worked a death match in a 200 light tube match or a no rope barbed wire match? These guys are going to get downgraded now because you're using something, something new. It's, yeah. It's and, just disrespectful. I know guys that refuse to do tubes. Uh, it's common knowledge. Devin Moore does not like Devin tubes Moore. Yep. at all, you know, but and I don't blame you him. Know, <laughs> Does that discredit Devin Moore for everything he's done? No. Devin Moore is, you know, one of the fucking four top deathmatch workers in the world. You know, but he doesn't do tubes. Does that not make him fucking good? No, it's a preference. You know, I was scared of tubes for the longest until Ian, my match series with Ian, we did, I think it was like fans playing the weapons, and he literally calms me down and, and goes, look, I'll take care of you. You're safe. And I haven't been scared of tubes since, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I said, like you said, it's going to discredit a lot of guys, and it's just going to be a – it's really bad for the business. And I know Kevin thinks he's doing good, and I know there's fans that follow him, and he's going to keep doing this when everybody keeps supporting him. What it's going to take is people to go, hey, you've crossed the fucking line, back up a little bit, and, you know, you know, check yourself before somebody gets hurt. As long as people get supporting – Keep supporting him. He's going to keep doing it, and that's that's sad. That somebody's going to get hurt, and I hope it's not a Bryant Wood, a Spider. Hell, I don't even want John Rare to get hurt. You know, or, or right. Smith, like Freak Show. You know, I love all those guys. You know, I don't see anybody mm-hmm. get hurt because he's a fucking sadist, and he fucking right. wants to. He, he jerks off to pain and stuff like that. Uh, that's not good. You know, when Ian Rotten says. King of death, no one's ever got seriously hurt. He takes pride in that. He takes pride mm-hmm. that we're all able to get up the next that Sunday morning and walk. You know, he takes great pride in that. Does he want you to go out there and kill yourself and perform? Well, yes, but everything's been saved. Ian Rotten's statement to me is he's he's never going to ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself, and that's ring true. You know, everybody thinks he forced me to come off that bar at the Rustic Frog. No. It was an idea. I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to keep you safe. And me and Josh Crow both walked away. And I will mm-hmm. keep doing stuff like that for Ian because he's never asked me to do nothing he hasn't, he wouldn't, or he has done. Because I know if he could, he would have been on that bar flipping off there going through those tables. You know, right. can Kevin Brennan say, hey, uh, I'd fall off that? No. Anything he asked somebody to do, he wouldn't have the fucking balls to do itself. Right. So, yeah, I'm a passionate guy when it comes to how Kevin conducts business. So, sorry about that. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's um, talk about the King of the Death match this year. Like you said, um, amazing tournament. First round up against Corp in a, a Feel the Burn match. It was hot coals. Uh, I mean, for anybody who who didn't see the match or thinks that the coals might not be real, it burned through the tarp that was under the box they were sitting in. So clearly, yeah, these these yeah. things are legit. Um, that's funny. That's but, funny. What was your thoughts on the match? I thought it was good. I thought it was very solid. Uh, you know, I think we told a story. Uh, you know, and and I think that's the thing about deathmatch wrestling is telling a story, just not going out there and jumping right in the, the pit of, you know, coals, you know, working yourself into it. Um, so mm-hmm. I think we told a good story. I think that, uh, you know, it was very windy. So some of the things like him lighting his hand on fire and boot on fire, it didn't come off well because it was so windy. I think if right. it changed anything, I think the weather would have been a little different. Uh, but I think still, I think it was a good first-round match. It was very solid and a, a good push for me to move forward in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, how scary was it the night before, thinking you were going to have to do that with all the rain going on? Yeah, that 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 sucked. Uh, you know, I was really let down because, you know, if we don't went out there in the rain, you know, a lot of people were discredited, you know, okay, well, it's wet, that cold's not that hot, you know, so I'm glad we waited. I'm glad it got transferred the next day. We were able to go out there and really, you know, do it right. So I was glad, glad we waited. Uh, I just wish, like I said, the wind hadn't been as bad. Sure. Um, and then second match, uh, 
second round match, as you said, the uh, the scaffold match with Devin. Yeah, the tables were supposed to be two. Uh, the table kind of fell apart. As you guys, I don't know if it was waterlogged from the night before or. or yeah, it was. It was waterlogged. Yep. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I mean, you, you kind of decided on the fly to still go through with it. I mean, I guess that was just confidence in the move that you had, huh? Yeah, definitely, definitely, and 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 I also want to say thanks to Devin Moore for having faith. You know, uh, it was the first time we were ever in the ring together, and you know, I was like, I can do it. It's going to be solid. Uh, so like I said, yeah, first table broke. We the, the second one set up was there. That's all we had, and we went with it. Uh, I know there was a little change in the match because I know it was supposed to be the circus deal. But, you know, I felt like, you know, and, and Devin felt the same way, and I agreed with it, that we were able to do more, you know, because if the circus met, we, was, we were limited on what we could do. You know, it was literally just climb right. up, scaffold, and fall off, climb up, fall off. You know, we were able to have a match. Uh, so I was very happy in that, and I was very happy with how that turned out. Uh, you know, and, and the clip of me doing the Canadian office, like, got over 100,000 views on it, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously people loved it, and you know, hopefully it's a it's a selling point for the DVD. So I was very happy with sure. it. Um, now the next match that you, that you wrestled in the tournament is being called one of the best death matches of all time. Um, it's it's the longest death match that I've ever witnessed. I've been attending wrestling shows since one and uh, you know. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I could even put words to this match that are going to do it justice because um, just amazing. I mean, the story it told was more or less Nick Gage didn't respect you. Um, he came into the match pretty much not knowing who you are, which is very easily believed because he just came out of prison. And, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, how did how did you actually go into this match? How much of a reality was that? I think it was very – it was almost chilling – you know, and there was a there was a comment made by I think Reed Bentley on commentary that was you know it was very it was very likely that Nick Gage didn't know who I was because he has been in prison. You know, he he didn't know what I've accomplished in the five years he was away. So you mm-hmm. know, I think you know I think he came into the match. You know, like you said, not respecting me. And I came into the match wanting that respect, needing it, you know, doing right. anything I could to earn that. And, you know, there, there's something to say when two guys can be in the ring and not touch and the fans be going off the charts, mm-hmm. you know, because if you were there live, it was it was crazy. Like, we did not touch for the first, I think, three minutes maybe, and the crowd were already popping. It was already something. Yeah. You know, we didn't need the 40 minutes that followed, but we gave it to them. You know, sure. and they stayed with us. Uh, you know, there were some moments in that match. I, I went through probably every kind of emotion there was. You know, I was very, like, emotional at the beginning because we had them in the palm of our hands. You know, there was parts where I was fucking just terrified. You know, it's something when you look up and Nick Gage is standing over you with a fucking shovel or a drill or beating you to death <laughs> with a door. You know, that's terrifying because Nick Gage is one of the most intense people I've ever been in the ring with, ever. Sure. You know, know, I was happy at the end because I think, I mean, you can disagree or you can, I think not only did I earn Nick Gage's respect, 
but I earned a lot of East Coast fan base respect. Sure. You know, because coming into that match, they were shitting on me. You know, who is this fucking kid from Tennessee? This is, you know, Nick Gage's art god. You know, and I come in there, you know, and this never give up attitude. And at the end of the match, I think they realized this fucking kid can, can make it on the East Coast. So uh, I was happy at the end, you know, that, you know, not only did I earn Gage's respect, not only did we go 40 minutes, not only did we give fucking the fans something in the semifinals, but I don't think it's happened before that long of a match. They're calling it match of the year. They're calling it the best death match in history. I'm happy for all that, but I'm happy that I gained the East Coast respect. Sure. Yeah, and um, I think that this was um, the first moment where I really, I mean, I was there, and and to really realize how much of an East Coast crowd it was because it was an overwhelming Nick Gage supported crowd when you were the yeah. you were the home fed guy. Yeah. And at some yeah. point I'm like, Definitely. holy shit, he's got an uphill battle, and he's he's the home he's got home court advantage, and this is still not, you know, it's lopsided in the other direction. I thought this it was yep. really strange. Definitely. Definitely, it was very, it was very, like, I was even majority over in my match with Devin Moore. You know, I was like, okay, you know, I thought it was going to be more Devin Moore than me, but, you know, walking into the Nick Gage match, it wasn't my opener. I was like, I had my fan base, but, like, it was overwhelming, you know, Nick Gage. And, at the end, like I said, at the end of the match, you know, we gave the fans and everybody something that we could both be proud of. And, like I said, I walked away with so much more, and as far as the respect category, because now, you know, people that might not have took me serious from the East Coast now know, okay, John Wayne Murdoch's a fucking beast. You know, he can come to the East Coast anytime, and we'll rep him every day of the week. So, All right. Um, so whose idea was it, or how did it come about that you guys were going to go this long in the death match? Uh, it, was, it wasn't. It was There was no... There was no ideas. There was no, you know, format. It was pretty much go to the ring and fucking fight. And that's that's Nick Gage. You know, I walked I walked into that match going either I fucking fight or I let him eat me alive. There's my two options. You know, either fight or let him eat me alive. And I chose to fight. Uh, every time he had me down, I chose to keep coming back up. And I think he wanted that. I think he he was going to keep letting me up and keep, you know, doing it as long as we could. And I think if we could have went another 40 minutes, we would have. Yeah. You know, I, I think that match could have went two hours and, and, you know, been just as good. And I think we wouldn't have lost the people one bit. Yeah, because so, I think it was, uh, what, a three out of four doors match? And you guys yeah, didn't two touch out of three the doors, doors. for – yeah, two out of three doors. You guys didn't touch the doors for a half hour. Yeah, yeah, we were like not like once we were in the flow and once we were like comfortable with each other, you know, and fucking just really intense. We just went with it. We rode we rode that fucking emotion from the crowd so well, and it was so good. Uh, and we, I think I lost track of time. I don't know if he did, but I lost. Like I, when I got to the back. Like people were like saying they went to go eat and come back and we were still wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, um, coming off of that, 
Now you went into a House of Horrors match with Matt Tremont. And, I mean, I honestly, I went into this tournament, you know, coming from Jersey the whole way. I mean, I, I predicted beforehand, I was like, Murdoch's winning this. He, he's the IWA guy. And, uh, you know, the whole day, it's, it's going your way. And I said, you know, he just beat Gage in, in this long match. I mean, he overcame the odds. It's good to put Tremont in the finals because you're teasing a, a repeat. But this is Murdoch's tournament. He, he's winning this thing. And then, you know, it went the other way. So it was a really cool swerve. I mean, I'm sure you would have rather won it. But, um, you know, what was your thoughts on the finals and the, the house of horrors and everything? I thought it was a spectacle. Uh you know, I've never been wild. Like I've been wild, but like I was like in awe walking to the ring and seeing the seeing the light tube swinging. You know, and just walk. There's 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 moments when a guy's music hits and you just get those goosebumps. And literally every time I've been in the ring with Tremont, it's usually I'm out first and I'm sitting in the ring and I, his music hits. It's literally something that gives me goosebumps because when Matt Tremont walks out. There's an instant like just reaction to how he is, uh, and, mm-hmm. and how he carries himself. He's fucking uh, best way I can put. It, he's like an enigma. Like he just fucking you know he's a spectacle in itself. And you know him walking to the ring, you know, is intimidating because he just carries himself with this. I don't give a fuck what happens to my body as long as I win right. mentality. And you know I've stood across the room with him many times. Uh, and I've enjoyed every match with him. But like I said, you know, he's very intimidating. He, you know, you earn everything you get in a match with Matt Tremont. He fucking fights his, he fights his ass off. You know, he he's one of the hardest working deathmatch guys out there. Uh, you know, and he has everything to show for it. He's a Grand Slam winner. He's done everything he can in deathmatch wrestling. I'm so proud of him. And, you know, I'm proud to call him a friend. Uh, you yeah. know, yes, I would have loved to win King, one King of Death, but it was just one more thing he could add to his bookshelf of accomplishments. So you know what? I'm happy for him. I'll never take the victory away from him. You know, I'm glad it went down the way it did. Uh, sure. So I'm happy for it. I'm happy for him. Yeah. So then, um, you know, during the match, they had the big scaffold set up with all the chairs and everything else, and you had everybody walking around, spec- you know, uh, just, just going, man. That, this is going to be a Canadian destroyer off of this thing. This is, and I even asked Matt after the show, and he said, "Man, I ain't flipping backwards like that. What is crazy? Was there any talk of the destroyer off of that uh, thing?" Or? I think, I think if I if I remember, I've been hitting the headline. I think there was some talks, uh, but you know, coming into that, we were both beat the fuck out of man. We were both yeah. you know, very hurt, very damaged, and you know. Like I said earlier, I don't do anything I'm not confident in, and I was not mm-hmm. confident in, in that. Uh, and I think he felt the same way. Uh, sure. Do I think that it's going to happen? Yeah, I think one day you will see John Wayne Murdoch giving the Canadian Destroyer to Matt Tremont, but I don't think it was. It wasn't going to be a King of Death. You know, right. he had a. I had a hell of a match with with Nick Gage. I was beat up. He had a grueling match with Masada. We just walked into the finals just with just a little bit of energy left just to get through sure. the match. So, like I said, I hate that we couldn't give it to him, but I'd rather have I'd rather us walked away than giving him that and not being able to walk away. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Tremont and Masada had to follow you guys doing 50 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Masada walked over by me before the match and just said, what, they put on 50 minutes? I'm just locking in a reverse chin lock, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember walking to the back, and he's like, He's like, man, I gotta fucking follow that. I'm like, it's all gauge. I was just, I was just along for the ride. But no, I think they did a damn good job coming out and following that. Oh yeah. I think you know the pace of the show. That's the thing. King of Death pace of the show did not slow down. It was just one on top of the other, on top of the other. You know, yes, I'm glad that people are calling me and Nick Gage the match of the year. But there were so many match of the year candidates on King of Death. You know, any standalone match could have been match of the year. Del Patrick's and, and fucking uh, Adam Bueller, fucking crazy. Bryant Woods, J.D. Hoare, killed it. You know, oh, yeah. uh, I think there were so many matches uh, fucking that could have been match of the year. So for them to say me and Nick Gage was, I'm honored in that. Yeah. Yeah, it was an amazing tournament. Anybody out there who hasn't seen it, definitely pick up the DVD when you get a chance when it comes out. But, um, definitely, definitely. Um, no, like I said, I enjoyed it. it was, go ahead. Yeah, but um, you had another show. I think it was uh, CCW. When I first saw this, I, I thought it was an IWA thing. I was mistaken. But um, you had called out DJ Hyde and said that, you know, he's, he's – um, underestimating you and you know he's not taking notice to what you're doing and where did that all come from and what what was that all about uh i think it was just you know me finally getting fed up of people warning me in terminate death and me never getting mm-hmm. the shot uh because you know every time somebody every time somebody put up a post of who would you like to see in tournament death or who do you think the competitors are my name was mentioned multiple times in that. I don't know if you got a chance to mm-hmm. see it, but it was. So I was like, man, you know, maybe this is my year. Maybe this is my and it never happened. So I finally got tired of it, you know, and I think it's I think it's just the way DJ conducts business, you know. He you know, it's uh how are you gonna make me money? And I think I could make money out out in C Z W for him. You know, I'm confident sure. in that. So it was, you know, I'm going to call if, – if he won't bring me to him, I'm going to bring him to me. You know, and, you know, either, you know, just like I earn respect from Nick Gage. If it takes a fight to earn respect, I'm willing to do that. So, you know, this has – a lot of people are trying to spin it off like I was shitting on CZW. I'm not. Why would I shit on a company that I want to be at? You know, I respect right. every guy that's been in CZW. You know, I respect Tremont, Devin Moore. Nick Gage, all those guys, but I respect the fact that I think I belong there also. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, um, what do you think, like, if you had to build, like, a, a demo tape, what would be the three matches you put on there, your favorite? Uh, I think me and Josh Crow from Kings of the Crimson Mask would be on the net. Like I said, if you guys, anybody listening has not seen that, uh, go to smartmark.com, check it out. It was a hell of a show. I, me and Davey Richards would be on there just on the fact. Me and Davey Richards or me and BJ Whitmer, just so that people can see that I can also go in the ring as far as a, a pure wrestling match. And then mm-hmm. the third one, I I know it just happened, but me and Nick Gage, 
Yeah. For sure. Um, who is um now? Nah, I mean, it's it's going to go back to somebody you just mentioned, I'm sure. But um, who is your favorite opponent you've ever had? I mean, you wrestled a lot with Josh Crow. Uh, you know, obviously Nick Gage was an epic match. But who is your favorite opponent you ever had? Uh, I mean, obviously I can say Nick Gage, but you know, my favorite opponent that I've wrestled multiple times and I tag with him now. It's got to be Reed Bentley. Uh, there's something about just going in the ring and being able to just hit each other as hard as you can and not be mad at each other that I like. So, yeah, I think it's being Reed Bentley is probably my favorite opponent. to just get. If I had to choose a guy to wrestle every day of the week, it would have to be Reed Bentley. All right. Um, what are some dream matches you got as guys you haven't worked before that you'd like to? Uh, I, me and Reed Bentley were just talking about this. Uh, we would like to, as a tag team, wrestle the Young Bucks, and we are, we actually joke that it'd be the Young Bucks against the Fat Bucks, and we just <laughs> do the match. Uh, so Young Bucks as a tag team, uh, singles. I would love to work with uh, Chris Hero. I know it was supposed to happen at a, an IWA show, and it just never came to be. Uh, so Chris Hero. Uh, Michael Elgin, uh, let's see here. And I'd really, you know, love to trade it up with uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, you know, I've seen his strikes. He's fucking hard-hitting as they come. I think I'd yeah. get in there and test my jaw against, you know, a Kyle O'Reilly. So those are probably my top, some of my dream matches. All right. Um, what would you like to accomplish in your career? Like, what, what's your goals? Are you trying to get to Japan? I mean, a lot of doors uh, have opened as far as the NXT world. I mean, what are you, what are you hoping to accomplish? Again, like uh, me and Reed were just talking about this before we, I called called in that you know we're, we're trying to get more you know serious bookings as far as tag team because I really like to pursue the tag team world with Reed because I think we really have a strong tag team, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and I think we could go places. So it's just, you know, right now getting healthier, getting in the gym, getting better bodies. You know, I know that there's not an emphasis on bodies like it was nowadays, you know, with like Kevin Steen and all them getting caught up and not really having the typical, you know, WWE body. But like I said, we'd like to get more health here. And, uh, you know, uh, some of my goals, like you said, Japan, Germany, uh, you know, I've never been the guy to say I want to go to WWE because I mean, I don't think I would fit into that system. But just right. to, you know, keep blowing it up on the indies, you know, because honestly, I think that's how you get into next. Is you have to make a fucking name of yourself on the independence for them to even consider you. You know, uh, sure. I don't think there's anybody that's ever woke up their first year in the business and woke up one day with messages from, you know, Triple H saying, hey, I want you at NXT tomorrow. Got to have you. You know, so you've got to make a name for yourself. Uh, And that's what me and Reed are trying to do. Uh, You know, so we're just trying to ride the ride of this tag team as long as it takes us. You know, and and also not let people forget we can do singles also. We're very good singles wrestlers. But like I said, Mm -hmm. there's money in our tag team. And you know what? We're coming to the East Coast on On Point Wrestling. It's me and Reed, the Rejects, against uh, Devin Moore and Drew Blood. So I think that's going to be a good opportunity there to show the East Coast, hey, the Rejects, you know, are fucking where it's at in tag team wrestling. So uh, we're trying to 
you know, trying to get on that list of like hooligans and the young bucks of the best tag teams in the world. So you know, right. that's our goal. Yeah, so you got that coming up in August. Um, you got some other stuff coming up this weekend, though. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, we got three days, three solid days of uh, tag matches uh, tomorrow night in your production house. Uh, it's us versus uh, the Vikings versus Corporal Robson and a person that nobody, mystery person. Uh, I think everybody needs to come out and check that out because. I don't think anybody sees it coming, but uh, Corporal's mystery partner is going to be a surprise, and it's going to it's going to blow people's minds. So uh, check that out. Then the next night, out of Mid South, Friday night, it's again me and Reed against the Vikings, a different combination of the Vikings against the Who against Thirty Minute Iron Man match, and this match is really built on who's the best tag team in IWA Mid-South. You know, a lot of times me and Reed have said there's only two tag teams that matter in IWA Mid-South and us and the Hooligans, the Vikings, are just not on that list yet. So here's another, uh, this is another chance for the Vikings to prove that they are a tag team, that they belong on that list. And they have 30 minutes to prove it. Um, it's a little different 30-minute Ironman. The first 15 minutes is going to be like a tag match, tag in and out style. Uh, Mm-hmm. Then the last 15 minutes is just going to be anything goes, you know, fucking tornado tags, everybody in the ring at the same time, just a fucking, you know, just chaos. Uh, it's going to be a little yeah. different. It's going to be good. And then Saturday night, we're at the Rustic Fog in New Albany, Indiana, uh, for I think it's Fight Summer Fest or Fight Fest. It's a Tokyo Deathmatch Rumble, uh, which I thought we were going to get to go to Japan, but obviously we're not. If you've seen our video, Pushing these three shows, I was very upset. Uh, but yeah, it's the <laughs> Tokyo Deathmatch Rumble. Uh, Rob Terry, Sabu, Colt Cabana, Cliff Compton. A lot of big names are going to be on this show. A lot of big names are going to be in that match. You know, I've made it to the finals of King of Death. Let's see if I can win my first ever Tokyo Deathmatch, you know, Rumble. So see how that goes. Like I said, three big shows, three chances to catch the rejects, do what they do best, and that's kicking ass. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's about all I got, man. Is there anything else you want right. to put out there? Definitely. I'd like to hit up anybody that does design work. Me and Reed Bentley are looking for somebody to design the first Reject T-shirt. Uh, you know, hit me up. We can work out some details. If you're not asking for money, maybe a free T-shirt if you design it or whatever, just hit us up. We definitely want to get some T-shirts rolling out. We've both made pretty good money in single shirts. You know, but as a tag team, I think we can make some money on some reject shirts. So hit me up uh, if you do some design work. We're looking for we're looking for our first reject shirt. Also, you know, support independent wrestling. Uh, we cannot survive without your support. You can support us by going to smartmarkvideo.com, picking up a DVD, pre-ordering your copy for uh, King of Death, watching the digital download. Do not go to a torrent site and get it for free. You know, that's taking money out of the promoter's pocket, which is taking money out of my pocket. Because if the promoter's not making money, I'm not making money. So please don't do that. Uh, I know it's easier. I know it saves a little cash. But if you really respect what we do, try not to do that. Be respectful. Buy the DVD. Come to the show. Buy it off the merch table. You know, support ProWrestlingTees.com. You know, do all that. Just support us, and we will always be here. But once we lose the support, there's no independent wrestling. 
because nobody's making money anymore. So, like I said, support independent wrestling, support smartmartvideo.com because definitely they've helped so much in getting my name out there on a on a worldwide basis. So, like I said, that's all I have. All right, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I definitely no like problem, to have man. you back on in the future too. Yes, definitely. Maybe maybe having me and Reed both on to talk the rejects. Absolutely, man. Just keep killing that. I'm looking forward to seeing you at on point. I'll be there. Definitely, definitely. See you guys later. Like I said, uh, hit me up on Facebook, John Wayne Murdoch. Hit me up on Twitter, John Murdoch 25. Look me up on YouTube, John Wayne Murdoch. Or look up some of my older stuff, Damian Payne. I'm there. Like I said, thank you for having me. No problem, man. Have a good night. You too, man. Bye. All right, so there you go, John Wayne Murdoch, man. You you got to check out King of the Death. If nothing else, you got to check out King of the Death. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this track, take a break, come back and talk some shit. All right. That's how I raised them, Lord. The niggas crazy. Niggas crazy. 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 D-boy, D-boy, D-boy. My pockets look key, Lord. My dead president's reborn when I'm naked. I got three arms. Got a big house with a green lawn. Got a cigar full of neon. Like my whole cool and my T1. Close his cascade. He look deep for him. I got bitches on my dick. I got J's at my joke. I got shooters on my team. I got feds down my throat. Counting money dirty and clean. Smoking nothing but Irene. Got a bitch with good hygiene, I'm sick with it, no vaccine I got coke under my nails, I got niggas taking them L's Nigga, we don't need no scale, I'm sick with it, no get well Trigger man, trigger man, trigger man, please don't shoot Body, body, body like TRU Young nigga riding a B-1-2, chop bricks like karate judo Kung fu like jujitsu, split a brick in two You do you, I'ma do what it do Niggas dropping dimes in the two cents too Body, body, body like who did who Started from the bottom and I grew in two Everything I'm driving is new and improved When she fucking with me, it's a new experience Fucking with you is a new excuse Nigga, who is you? I looked in the mirror and said, who is you? All my goons be two and through, so don't open your mouth like you're chewing glue. Like blue Michael Jordan's my shoe, get checks like sush. Hear you niggas talking about what you gon' do, it might do. I invite you, I entice you, but I advise you not to. God bless you like I chew. Police find you in the bayou with your friends by you and you shit not loose. Nigga, that's what you'll get like. Can it ride you? I've been Peru, I'm in my mood. So you know what you can do? Fight, nigga, pull up. I'll be waiting. Yeah.
Fuck nigga, put up. My young nigga stood up. Like fuck nigga, what up? Blooka, blooka, blooka. I say fuck nigga, pull up. I'm waiting with my foot up. Fuck nigga, good luck. Blah, blah, blah. I say fuck nigga, pull up. Fuck around and never pull off. They see the guns we pull out. Say never mind and pull off. They see the guns we pull out. Say never mind and keep going. I put the gun in his mouth. Say be quiet and brief soft. Shift the eyes, I see four. Flip them pies like D dogs. These bitches tied, they sleep walk. Street smart and deep dark, and we all what she want, and she want, and he don't, but keep on, and we gon' see. Fun nigga pull up. Yeah. Fun nigga pull up. Ooh. I be waiting. Yeah. Why you waiting? Fun nigga pull up. Fun nigga pull up. Fun nigga pull up. Fun nigga pull up. Yeah. I be waiting for you. Um, me and my young nigga. That's how I raise them, Lord. Them little niggas crazy, they just waiting for me to tell them to go crazy, boy. What am I waiting for? All right, I'm back. Um, So, so listen, um, I, I do want to touch more on that um, Carnage Cup situation because, you know, it, it became a little bit more in depth on my end than uh you know than than I uh talked about with uh John Lee Murdoch. Um I put out a little bit of my feelings on that. But um here's here's what the statement actually was put out by uh Kevin Brandon and them over at uh IWA Deep South for the Carnage Cup eleven. It says Carnage Cup eleven will be different than years past. To start with to start with, we only we are only booking the sickest and most violent of all. All is in all caps. I don't know why that is. If the most you'll do is tubes, tacks, and barbed wire, don't look to get booked. As if any of you can recommend guys who haven't been discovered who will, who will damn near kill themselves, then PM us. Next, it will be a single-day event. Lastly we are going to up the bar on gimmicks, violence-wise, and innovation. The bar will be raised yet again at Carnage Cup 11. Stay tuned for more details from their Facebook page. Um, As I said, the statement, if the most you'll do is tax tubes and barbed wire, I don't know if I even read that in the right order, but either way, you get what I'm saying. Don't look to get booked. So again, a guy comes in and says, hey, guys, you know, fucking, I, I, I'm i all about this. I'll come in here, and I'll work a 200 light tube match. And this asshole is going to go, yeah, that's not good enough. We're going to do a little bit. We're going to need a little bit more than that. Like, what kind of shit is that? Like, if if people, if workers like Masada, John Wayne Murdoch, Nick Gage, Matt Tremont, if all these guys were actually up to working for you, because I think all those guys plus many more are not interested in Carnage Cup whatsoever. And I don't want to speak for any one of them, but I'm pretty sure that those guys won't work there. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch said he wish he never did. Um, Masada thinks the place is a joke. I had him on the show. Nick Gage says it's a joke as far as his uh his shoot interview goes. 
Tremont has done it several times, and I know Tremont's more of a, you know, very, very polite guy. Um, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been back since the last time he did it. Um, I would hope that Matt's not going to do it again. But, like I said, he, he's a very nice guy, and I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't think he's going to have as strong of an opinion, at least not publicly, as um, some others have because he's just um, – you know, he's just not that type of guy. So I would hope that guys like Tremont stay away. Um, you know, there there's some other guys that I really respect that, that'll go there and stuff. And see, that's that's the thing that some people don't get. And um, Brian Woods was one of those people that didn't get what I was saying. Um, Brian Woods, I respect. He's a guy who I want to see a lot more of on death matches. And, um, you know, he, he had a tremendous performance on um on a King of the Death match. And I, you know, I reviewed uh, the Carnage Cup when I watched it. And I said, I did not like his match against Lane. I, di- I didn't like it. I didn't think it was good. And, and honestly, I blamed most of it on Lane. I didn't think Lane was, was right physically or mentally, really, to go into that match. I thought Bryant Wood showed a lot of um, potential. I thought that that fucking stomach suplex joint that he took on the on the ropes was fucking insane, but that was that was about it. That, as far as that match went, I, I just I wasn't like a big uh, big fan of the match. And um, the only two matches that I liked on the entire I didn't like a single match on night two. I didn't. I fucking there was nothing about night two that drew that drew me in. Or drew me in. I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like a single fucking thing. You could tell me how crazy the main event was. You could tell me how I, I didn't like it. I didn't like anything about night two. Um, I liked the Tank versus Corporal Robinson match in the first round, and I liked the Dale Patrick versus Josh Crane match. That's it. That, that those are the only two matches I liked, and it's no disrespect to, um. To um, Brian Woods, it's no disrespect to Corp in the second round or Josh Crane in the second round or, or any of these people who work there that I do do like and respect. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is like I, I made the same uh, comparison on my Facebook. I am a die-hard 49er fan, Niner tattoo on the arm and everything. You think I can't tell you when they have a shit game or when one of my favorite players just didn't play up to what I feel like was, is their their caliber? What what I feel like their standard wasn't met. Yeah, I I fucking judge things that way. That that's how I judge things. I, I mean, you know, I I call things the way they are. Then that's the thing. I don't. There are so many fans out there. So many fans. And you know, I see this in all walks of life. It's not just fans. It's not just wrestling. It's not just fucking anything, man. I've seen the same shit professionally. And this is not from a fan standpoint. There are motherfuckers who will always kiss ass, and there's people who will just go and say what's pleasing to another person's ear. Are they the most effective person? Absolutely not. Are they the most legit person? Absolutely not. But the fact that they're saying something that's aesthetically pleasing to someone's ear is probably going to make them a favorite in that person's eyes. And that shit does not make that person the most legit person you're dealing with. I'm telling you straight the fuck up. You're going to have fans that walk around. 
This is now we're back to wrestling. Yeah, fans will walk around, want to fucking hand you all their fucking beer, smoke all their weed with you, fucking tell you every one of your matches are the best thing they've ever seen. They'll see you out in public, try to buy you fucking food. They'll fucking buy every one of your gimmicks. They'll buy every one of your DVDs. You're not getting an honest opinion out of that person. That person's obviously valuable because, shit, you get a lot out of that person. But is that someone you could have a serious conversation about what was good and what was not? No, absolutely not. Is that someone that you're going to talk to that's going to leave you room for for improvement? No, it's not. You know what I mean? That's that's The person I am is the person that's going to tell you straight up. I don't say shit just to say it. I don't try to just get a reaction out of people. I'm a brutally honest person. That's what it is, man. And you can look, hey, man, maybe maybe you get finished with a match or you get finished with a show or something like that, and, and maybe you don't want to hear that side of things. Maybe you only want to be told the nicest shit out. Maybe you only want to be patted on your back when you're done wrestling. Then I'm not the guy to listen to. I mean, there's there's hundreds of thousands of other people that'll talk to you a whole different way, and that's fine. If that's what you want, that's fine. But if you want an honest, straight-up opinion, then that then I'm the guy that you talk to. And, you know, if you get a compliment from me, it's legitimate. It's honest. It's sincere. Because I don't just put every fucking thing over for the sake of putting it over. I like your match today. Maybe your match tomorrow didn't didn't meet the standard that you set today. That's that's you know the the mind state that I come from, and that's where a lot of people don't understand that shit. And Brian Woods didn't seem to understand it. And he was taken as disrespect. Um, as far as me saying you know the dick sucking fans are dick suckers and this and that, what I was talking about was the fans. And, um, you know, some of the people who were jumping on those fuck, on that fucking post. And, you know, Mike Allhouse and all those other fucking guys trying to fucking call me out and, and try to, you know, say some kind of shit like, well, I like it, and if you, if you don't like it, don't watch. Fuck you, motherfucker. I'll watch whatever the fuck I want. And then, if I don't like it, I'm going to talk about it. See, that's what I do. I watch what the fuck I want. I do what the fuck I want. And then... If I don't like it, I talk about it. If I like it, I talk about it. Either way you look at it, I'm going to have an opinion on a lot of fucking things in this world because that that's part of me living. You know what I mean? Part of you not living is not having an opinion on shit. Part of you not being a, um, a factor in life is just keeping your fucking mouth shut and keeping it moving. I mean, that's that's just the way I see things. You know, you could you could just walk silently through life and make sure you don't offend anybody with your opinion, whether it be negative or positive, because maybe someone won't like what you got to say, or you can actually, you know, make somewhat of a difference and be an actual individual and have an opinion on things. And just the same way that you tell me that I don't have to watch something, you don't have to fucking listen to anything I say. I'm just one opinion in the entire world. You're paying attention to my opinion, now you don't like what I'm saying, maybe you shouldn't be paying attention. I mean that that that's on you. I mean all the decisions are completely in 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 your lap as far as whether you listen to what I say. Whether it really doesn't make a fucking difference to me. So it's no disrespect to somebody to tell you that hey, I didn't like the match you had. I mean it. I don't understand that mentality very much. But so that that's that. The uh, the Carnage Cup thing like that. Like I said. It, it shits on deathmatch wrestling as a whole to say that if all you're going to do is barbed wire. So, okay, all the Noro barbed wire matches are bullshit compared to what you're about to do, right? 
if if any unknown motherfuckers who are willing to damn near kill themselves, if you know anybody like that, like if you met a guy at a barbecue that almost killed himself and, and kind of smiled about it, then, you know, private message this fucking guy over there because he's interested in that guy. Not the fucking professional wrestler who's willing to do an over a barbed wire match. Not that guy. He wants jerk off at the fucking barbecue that smashes bottles over his head and smiles at you. That's that's the guy he fucking wants. And the fact that fans show up and go, well, I like it. That silly shit makes me fucking laugh. Or I like that. I enjoy it. I'll be there front row. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. But again, the more you encourage it, the more you feed into it. If he does do something to get somebody killed or get somebody legitimately, um, you know, injured in a way where it's fucking newsworthy, you can say goodbye to all this deathmatch shit. You think it's hard? I mean, you talk to DJ, you talk to Ian, you talk to anybody, and figure out how hard it is to find a building and find a venue. And some some of the states have regulations that you just you have to jump through hoops just to run something like a deathmatch tournament. Imagine if they had an example to put in front of any judge, any legislation, any legislator. Any anything, state athletic commission. Hey, remember when that guy died doing that thing over there? Oh, well, fucking. One thing is is really easy is if you had none of the professionals on that tournament, it'd be easy to say, well, look, those guys over here are not like these guys over here. Unfortunately, it's not that easy to do if you have guys on the on ball tournaments, same guys. Um, so that's difficult. And I know the payday is one thing, but I think um, legitimacy of that tournament whatsoever is a dangerous thing. It's very, very dangerous. And, um, you know, I mean, in all honesty, if Nick Gage would have fucking died in that helicopter that day, that would have been the last tournament of death you ever saw. There's no fucking maybes about it. When Nick Gage fucking died in that helicopter and came back, makes her a really nice story on the shoot interviews now. But if he died, fucking deathmatch wrestling would have died right with him. So don't get it fucked up. And, you know, Gage talks about, oh, what a way to die if I died in the ring and all that. Good. I mean, that would be the end of fucking deathmatch wrestling as you know it. Not good that he dies. I mean, you know, I'm a Nick Gage fan. But I'm just saying, if that type of fucking thing that happened, you're not... You're not seeing another tournament next year. That's I, I don't know how else to put this to you fucking people, but there's a certain amount of safety that you should fucking want in your wrestling. You should want in your entertainment because if the last, if the next thing you see will be the last thing you see, it's not fucking worth it. Would you rather see one fucking crazy, insane, over-the-top fucking thing you've never seen before, or would you rather see... Some some slightly milder things done more professionally for years and years to come. I would rather see the years and years to come rather than a one and done. Now nobody gets to fucking play with the ball. You know what I mean? Like if your version of a basketball is to throw the ball up in the air and shoot it with a shotgun, well now nobody plays basketball. Or we could start fucking dribbling and shooting at the hoop over there and see what kind of fun we could have. You know what I mean? Uh, There's a couple ways to play the fucking game, and I don't think one of them is to fuck it up for everyone. 
and that I think is is a big part of what's going on right now. And you know, the the fans that want to just defend it and blindly like, hey, fuck drama, man, just fucking just enjoy it. No, but you don't understand what's at risk here. What's at risk here is is all of this shit, all of this shit that you find enjoyment in. So, you know, take it for what it is, man. Enjoy it. Just keep fucking feeding money into this shit. And you, you're going to see the end result. And I hope, that, you know, that no legitimately fucking trained wrestler gets fucking hurt or killed doing this shit with these fucking people. I'm not as nice. I don't give a fuck if an untrained asshole gets fucking brutally hurt. I don't want to see them fuck it up for everyone else. That's my main concern. Because assholes get fucked up all the time. You saw the asshole that lit the firework off the top of his head and died? Good. That's what he deserves is, is to be dead. Now they want to, you know, the stupid-ass mother wants to pass legislation for the fucking fireworks to be harder to get because her asshole son lit one off his fucking skull. You know, you you could fucking ban vehicles if someone just decided driving it off a cliff was the best fucking idea. Obviously, they make roads for it, but, you know. These things were not made to light off your goddamn head. And, and if you're too fucking stupid to know that, the law has nothing to do with your stupidity. It really doesn't. How many things that, you know, they sell in the fucking store that if you drank it, you would just die. You know, the Drano says don't drink it, but that doesn't mean that fucking, you know. And, and the fireworks say, you know, hey, fucking light and get the fuck away from it. Not to your head, stupid. You know, this is this is the thing. The law is not going to protect you from your fucking self. I mean, it it is what it is, and it's just another example of one asshole fucking it up for everyone. It's just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But um, on to a better thing. I um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today marks two years of sobriety for me, which to me is um is a big big fucking deal. I've um, done a bunch of different things since then. I have completed 11 races Saturday. This coming Saturday will make 12. Um, let me see. Jesus Christ. I got to scroll to the top of my page so I can get the uh, the rundown because I wrote it. And uh, All right. So um, 11 obstacle races I've done since then. Five more this year. I've done Battle Frog twice, Tough Mudder twice, all three Spartan races. I did uh, the Super Spartan last year. This year I did the Beast and the Sprint. So when I do the Spartan, Super Spartan, at the same place I did it last year, when I do it again this year, I've done the um, the Spartan Trifecta because you have to do them within you know, one calendar year. Um, I've done Rock Solid. I've done Warrior Dash. I've done Rugged Maniac, and I've done the ABS. Um Almost all of these I've completed in the top 10 to 15%, and I've even placed high enough. This is something I just realized the other day. I fucking qualified. I, I came in, I think, 12th. Um, I came in 12th in my age group, I want to say. Let me, let me scroll down again. Yeah, 12th in my age group in the Battle Frog. And that shit qualified me for the obstacle race world championships. They hold it in, I believe, Ohio. So now I have a reason that I have to go back to Ohio. Not doing it this year because it's a little, you know, uh, 
little costly and a little soon and all of those things. It's in October. But next year, I plan on qualifying again the way I did this year. And, um, I mean, uh, that that shit is absolutely amazing to me. There's um, the obstacle race championships, world championships, is something that you can't just sign up for and go race. You have to place a certain place within any one of these other races that I've done. So, um, top 20 in your age group, I believe is the, um, battle frog is top 20 in your age group. Um, Spartan races, you know, the, I think the beast is like top 30 in your age group. And then, uh, sprints and supers are like top 20 in your age group and things like that. So by coming in 12th in my age group, I qualified for the fucking OCR World Championships. And, you know, I I hadn't raced a fucking race in my life, not a 5K, not anything until 35 years old when I started this. And, you know, in in two years, this is what I've accomplished. I just, I can't imagine what I'm going to accomplish when it's all said and done. I'm very happy to be at where I'm at right now. And, um... You know, it, it's a long fucking way to come. It really is. I'm going to talk a lot more about the whole addiction thing. I'm going to do another um, Through the Eyes of a Tiger pretty soon and uh, touch on the addiction thing. I had wanted to do it sooner, but I kind of wanted to pass my two-year mark first so that way I, I can really get into the next one will be about, uh, you know, the addiction and the uh, sobriety and all of that stuff. So um, that'll, that'll be coming soon, hopefully. And... um uh yeah it's just a huge thing to me it really is and uh so so that's that anyway this weekend i got uh the rugged maniac race this is a little 5k got like 25 plus obstacles very obstacle heavy for a 5k that's not a lot of distance for that many obstacles so very fucking exciting um i'm looking forward to it i'm i'm going to hit this bitch hard as hell um, that's that. Um, CZW Saturday night, as I said, I pretty much ran, uh, ran down a lot of that, uh, card already. So I'm not going to get back into that. Should be there. Um, Nick Gage is running. I, and I had heard this before. Um, this was a lot of rumor, especially around the, uh, King of the Death Batch was hearing, Gage is running a tournament. Gage is running a tournament. Gage is running a tournament. My first thought was this is somehow run through Brett Lauderdale and there isn't a chance in hell that I'll attend and I hope it fails horrendously. Um, turns out that it's not a Brett Lauderdale production, which is fantastic. I'm sure he'll have some involvement and ref half the matches or whatever, but, you know, whatever. Um, this is apparently a JCW deal. And JCW changed their name to GCW, which is Game Changer Wrestling, which is strange. Uh, Not really sure why the name changer, Game Changer Wrestling. It's it's kind of a silly name to me. Um, What is even sillier to me is the fact that you have a, quote-unquote deathmatch tournament in a state that doesn't really allow deathmatches. 
they've gotten away with some things in Jersey. Um, you know, it's gotten a little bit looser. They've gotten away with some things in Jersey. As far as full-out deathmatch type stuff, like light tubes and all that stuff, to my knowledge, the best of my knowledge, which is not much, I don't think you're allowed to do it in Jersey. I really don't. Um, and I think the more you pile on, the less likely this shit is to really happen. Let me let me also preface this with, I have front row tickets for this thing, so I'm going to fucking be there for whatever this turns out to be. I'm going to be there. But, um... So that that's the first thing that already sparks like a huh like huh how are you gonna pull that off like a death match tournament in fucking Jersey so game changer wrestling uh, death match tournament New Jersey okay second off how the fuck are you gonna name a tournament after a guy in the fucking tournament I have never seen no shit like that the Nick Gage Invitational Death Match Tournament. Fucking starring Nick Gage. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? You know, I'm seeing like the Ted Petty. You know, obviously Petty wasn't in the fucking tournament. Um, I mean, I, I, I've never seen a tournament named after a guy in the fucking tournament. Um, and I guess Match Remont is going to be at it. And Lucky Thirteen. I've heard rumors that um. The wife beater will be coming out of retirement to to be in this tournament, so that that'll be fucking uh, very very interesting. Um, I'm I'm very interested in seeing how this turns out. Like I said, it to me it's launched on some pretty silly ideas to begin with. Um, I mean to think that a, a death match tournament in New Jersey can come anywhere near the likes of like a King of the Death. Or a tournament of death, or a masters of pain, to me is absolutely absurd. Um, we'll see what goes on, man. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to have quality talent on there, at least as far as what's already listed. Quality fucking talent. Um, you know, hope for the best. That's all. But a uh, very, very interesting concept. Um, you know what I forgot to mention? Um, while we were on the way to uh, King of the Death Match, that trip was so long they legalized gay marriage while we were driving. That's that's how long it was. They they were able to change major fucking laws. On the way down, I checked Facebook, you know, repeatedly because what the fuck else do you do in the car for fourteen hours? And all of a sudden, everybody had rainbow fucking pictures, which by the way, silly as shit. Um, and you know, I I think that's great that they legalized gay marriage. Uh, I think marriage is fucking gay to begin with, so, you know, you're like, should have been theirs before it was ours, but, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like this, this is done and out of the way now, and, and and good for that. It needs to be one less thing that the fucking politicians are worried about. Now I think it becomes something that, um, unless there's some kind of loophole, I think you sound like a crazy fucking bigot if you come out now as a politician and say that you're going to overturn game, I think blocking the legalization of it didn't come off as, as quite a bigoted move or at least as much of a bigoted move by politicians in the past. Of course it, you know, it still speaks its statement, but I don't think it stands out as quite like a crazy fucking asshole move as it would if you tried to overturn something that was already in effect. 
think that becomes way, way more radical and way more uh, of a, of a a big issue that it's not gonna it's not gonna be easy to float across the table to say that we're getting rid of this shit. You know what I mean? So I think it's uh, as far as I know, I think it's a completely done deal now. We can get that shit off the fucking table of politicians because uh, it was ridiculous to begin with. Um, there's no reason, you know, why, you know, one person shouldn't be able to marry another person, no matter, you know, what they're into. And it's like, at, at some point or another, these people that are against it swear that, like, if you legalize gay marriage, that means a guy's going to fuck you now. And that's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's never been the plan. I don't think it, uh... I don't. I don't think that's ever been uh, part of the le- legislation where it's like, hey, you know what? We're gonna legalize gay marriage, and all you guys are gonna get fucked in the ass. Like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> that that wasn't the thing. I some people actually fight it as if that's uh, that was uh, all lined up to happen. So, um, fortunately, they'll be they'll be happy about it. Um, the other the other big thing was the um, the whole thing where that the kid killed a bunch of people in a black church and it turned into a whole thing about the Confederate flag. I think, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts about the Confederate flag. And I know it's a part of American history. A lot of people have said, you know, well then put it in a, you know, a, a museum, which I think is pretty fucking accurate. Uh, put it in a museum. That's fine. Um, now there, there may be parts of the Confederacy and the Confederate flag that did not stand for slavery. The fact of the matter is, is um, the fight had a lot to do with them wanting to uphold slavery. And I understand the other side of things that they said, well, there was a small amount of time where the Confederate flag, oh, Jesus Christ, uh, Confederate flag stood for slavery or, you know, slavery was uh, conducted under the Confederate flag for a small amount of time. But before that, slavery was held under the American flag. So why don't you get rid of that, too? You know, the whole extremist bullshit. Um, the thing is, is if, if the South won, if the Confederacy won, there would still be slavery, right? So that's the problem right there is part of what they did stand for and they didn't see a problem with was slavery. That was something that their side was all good with. So that doesn't doesn't fly and, and it shouldn't be represented as here's here's part of what we stand for. I mean it that's not that just doesn't work. You know what I mean? And people get offended by it, but it is what it is, man. You know, they're not telling you you can't uh, you can't own shit with a flag on it, a Confederate flag on it. You can, and you know, let's point out the uh, the racists of the world. Uh, you know, I mean, I I don't know anybody. I I know my neighbor has some you know connection with that, but uh, you know, he has a whole non-racist feeling on it, which is fine. But the majority of people that'll walk around with a Confederate flag hat or a fucking flag on their truck or something like that. You can fucking bet your ass they're racist as shit. Um, that's generally the statement it's trying to make. So, unfortunately for the few that don't feel that way, that's that's the uh, the overwhelming statement. You've been uh, 
you've been outnumbered by people who do see it as a racist symbol. That's that's just what it is. Um, however, the fact that they've uh, pulled the Dukes of Hazard from reruns and shit, uh, that, that's a little much. That's definitely a little much. Um, I mean, there's there's still old Bugs Bunny cartoons where they have the uh, the black and white things in it, and even like uh, you know where they have the Nazi flag on it. But anyway, um, it, that that's going too far. I mean, I was a Dukes of Hazard fan as a kid because I thought it was cool as shit. They jumped the car over the thing, and the guy get all pissed off dog look all sad all the time like it just sucked to be him next to the fucking Roscoe and, and, and you know and Boss Hog and all that shit and them damn boys were just out doing it you know and at the time it was cool as shit because I was young and you know, whatever I, as soon as I hit like adulthood I didn't give a fuck about Dukes of Hazzard so I don't know how many people were dedicated to watching the shit out of these reruns anyway and you could sure as fuck get a box set um so if you really were into just like watching it nonstop, then I'm sure it's still able to be had. Um, I, I don't agree with the just pulling it off the TV because of the flag. I just don't. Just just off of principle, I don't agree with pulling shit off the TV because someone's offended by a picture of something. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's just fucking silly. Too many people are running wild with these bullshit ideals left and right. So. What can you do? Um, what else? Uh, I think that's about all I got. Next week. Next week will be five years I've been doing this podcast. Five fucking years. So I have zero plans. And uh, i got to figure out something. i got to figure out something to do. Something semi-special. Uh, some kind of guest or some kind of something i got to do. I don't know. i got got... Uh, Seven days to figure that shit out. Six days. Uh, so, yeah. Big weekend with the fucking uh, the race and the CZW show. I'll have a lot to talk about next week. And, um, you know, we'll figure out what uh, what's going on there. Let me see. Where the fuck's my song here? I think there's a mosquito in my room. Oh, fuck. So, all right. I had to pause to uh, try to kill that mosquito. I think I fucking missed it. So after the show, I have to finish finish the job. Um, all right. Uh, where the fuck is my song here? I gotta like label this fucking thing with like a one or something so it shows up at the beginning of the list because I always have to scroll down this fucking thing. So ridiculous. All right. So anyway, like I said, check out next week for the the five-year anniversary show of Yakuza Kick Radio. And, um, you know, stop by all those other shows, tell them to fuck themselves. Thanks for listening. Peace.
Yeah. 